0: So I've got a question for you to begin this morning. Do you find it difficult to pray? I certainly know that I do. I mean, there are times that I pray, and there are times we're called to pray, and there are times I'm asked to pray, and it's part of the role. Uh, And yet there is so much about prayer that I don't understand. that i suppose that it causes me to pause and to be reluctant at times to be a person of prayer. Why do so many prayers go unanswered? How can prayer be taken seriously when i see millions of people around the world in war or horror or struggling with sheer survival? what about their prayers right now? If God is a good God that knows what we need, then why does he ask us to wrestle in prayer? I often personally feel like I'm behind or short on time, and then I think, well, isn't prayer in some ways a waste of precious time? Philip Yancey said, most of my struggles in the Christian life circle around the same two themes, why God doesn't act the way we want God to, and why I don't act the way God wants me to. And then he says, prayer is the precise point where those themes converge. Our text this morning is taken from uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus teaching his disciples in this great section of Scripture that we know as the Lord's Prayer. He says to them, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, Jesus teaches us to pray, and in our tradition... At times we have so despised things that are maybe written down or wrote or empty religion and even the context of this from Matthew chapter 6, vain worship, we understand why that is, but that we have, I would say, gone so far that at times we've practically thrown out this prayer where Jesus teaches us how to pray, and in fact, in a conversation with Jeremy uh, this week, one who grew up in our, our fellowship and our tradition, he said, yeah, I didn't really learn the Lord's Prayer as a child. Now, some of you in this audience probably have and know, knew it from very, very early on. And others, it just wasn't a part of your experience in church. And yet, on the other hand... To focus on the Lord's Prayer, in some ways it's so familiar that possibly learning to pray from the Lord's Prayer is actually hard to do because it's hard to get by the familiarity of the words. So I give you this quote by uh, T.S. Eliot as we share just a few thoughts on this prayer. In one of his works, he says, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know that place for the first time. And isn't Scripture much like that? We explore, we explore things that are very familiar only in some ways to discover them in a deeper way in our own spirit for the first time. I want to suggest this morning that that's this kind of message. My first point is simply this, and I probably made this point a few uh, months back in a different message, and and it also is one of those that you're going, really, Jeff, you're going to start there and you're going to tell us this? that as I look at this prayer, I want to remind you that God is. Maybe said another way, God is God. And that sounds almost ridiculous in one sense, but I want to suggest that this, when we read this, we hear this prayer of Jesus, our Father in heaven. It says so much. It says more than we could ever grasp. It says that we live in an open universe. There is a God who hears and interacts with us. And I ask myself, in my day-to-day interactions with both people inside the church and outside, do we believe this? Do we really believe it? Or do we operate as if the universe is closed? It's kind of the earth and the creation, and we're not really sure what God is up to or if there is one. You see that I believe that so often captures our day-to-day thought patterns and we function as if there is no active agent, no creative power in the universe. And this prayer says otherwise. The prayer announces that there is an active creator and sustainer and redeemer, this almighty spirit of goodness in the world, and to pray and believe that God is present and that he is powerful. That may be easy for some of you, but I promise there are others right now in this very audience. On a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, Basis, struggle with that truth. It's not a given. So, we were in staff meeting the other day, and uh, the, the, the passage was Psalm 14 and verse 1 that we were looking at at the beginning of staff meeting, and it says this simply The fool, the fool says in his heart, There is no God. And I don't know that anybody here this morning would be so bold to make that claim. But at the same time, our day-to-day existence might be closer to that truth than to our Father in heaven. Someone said that about the only realm of life that is still open to God is a funeral. Because it's nice to have a place to go when you die. And God seems to have taken care of that. So when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, he is saying something weighty about how the world operates. And when we get up in the morning, if we'll say, our Father... We'll recognize that while the world is filled with unanswered questions and many, many mysteries, we are still oriented to realize how to look at life and death and meaning and ourselves and our neighbors and our world. But there's more to this passage. Number two, that God is Father. Jesus doesn't simply say, our God He says, our Father, and this should not be missed or overlooked. God is a Father, and I suggest that that is the way that we address God, and I hope that that comes out in your prayers, but I want to suggest that it is also the goal of our prayer In other words, to take and understand and to grow in this realization that God is our Father is the prayer of your life. I don't think there are many other prayers, if you'll realize that prayer. So it is both address and goal. All of our lives we are learning what that means. Our Father. And for Jesus to teach his disciples to pray, our Father, when you rise and as you walk through the day and as you lie down at night, having been possessed by this reality, it is the beginning and it is the end of what it means to be a human being. Now, those of you who have been around this church for a while have heard me say before that when Jesus comes, He fulfills what Israel began. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Scripture. And I want you to hear something from Exodus chapter 4 and verses 22 and 23. God, as a father, was first set forth all the way back in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh, and Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, as he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. It's a rough passage. But what I want you to see in this is Israel to call God Father. As the, Israel, the children of Israel were sons, was in contrast to paganism. You are no longer slaves, but your sons. This is how Jesus viewed God. He was a son set free. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased, the father says to the son. This is how Jesus understood his Father, all the way to the cross. He says, Father, un- into your hands I commit my spirit. You see, what Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer is demonstrated by his life. You see, we know through the rest of the New Testament that what Jesus does at the cross is allowing us access to the God. To God as Father. And what I want you to hear is this to call God Father is not only, which is the way I've traditionally interpreted it, as an indication of our closeness to God, but it's also, now get this, a revolution. Our prayer to God as Father is embracing a revolutionary identity. Remember that God said to King David, through David would come a child that would rule over the world, and his people and his kingdom would not be shaken. 2nd Samuel 7:14. This was revolutionary. Jesus is the revolutionary son of a kingdom. And so when he invites his disciples to pray, he is saying, you have access to God. He's relatable, but he also also your plans, the liberation of the world, the salvation of the world, these are the freedom that he brings are all a part of this Lord's prayer. In other words, this this prayer to say our Father means God is both relatable and revolutionary all the way through. Think about the prayer, may your kingdom come. Not the kingdoms of the nations, not the political systems of the great empires. But the rule of God, the upside-down way of God, the manner of life that is pleasing to the good king. And the prayer asks for daily bread. In other words, the basic necessities of life met through dependence upon God and His provisions. And the prayer invites us to be in relationship to one another and forgive those who trespass against us. To call God our Father is to recognize that we have brothers and sisters we have to be in concert and unison with. This means that, like the Israelites who were delivered from slavery and called sons, we, what does the prayer say? Are delivered from evil. To call call God Father is not only about great comfort, but it is the confrontation with the destruction of sin and the defeat of evil. You still with me? Kind of heady, I realized, going through there, a little bit heady. On the one hand, so basic. On the other, I want you to see the richness of what this prayer means. Let me give you the third part of it. God is our Father. You see, most of us are so preoccupied with ourselves. What I'm trying to say is prayer is not about me, it's about God, but it's not simply about God, it's about Father, but it's not simply about our Father, it's about our Father all in this in this one address if you pray god my god i would simply ask this week that some of your prayers get redirected to god our father and you see yourself in relation to others and community widen your prayer we're in this together. Our Father is an address, but it's also then a message for the whole world, for these neighborhoods around us right now. How could we pray this morning Brett's going to pray the Lord's Prayer in a minute to close this service out. But how and we're praying our Father in heaven, can that also be a prayer for each one that's sitting here, for us to do that collectively and then to extend that prayer to all of Brentwood and all of Rock Hill and all of Webster and all of Ledoux and every neighborhood around this building? And I could go on from that, but that'd be a good start, right? Particularly in this series where we are talking about pray and go. And our Father is for the entire neighborhood. Just Jesus said this as much in John 20 and 21. He said this As the Father has sent me, the Father. has sent me. I am sending you. To say our Father is a big prayer. We're asking for a relatable and revolutionary God to work his will in the world. Let me be very, very practical in three simple points. As we begin this new series, Pray and Go, and you'll see it out in the foyer. Brett has already put together some some slides to kind of graphically uh, illustrate this. Pray and Go. We honor Jesus as he teaches his disciples to pray in this passage. And then as he invites them and commands them to go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, we honor his great commission that he left with the disciples and then with us. And we'll provide more details in the month of May. But I first want us to do here are three things then. I want your prayer this week to move from saying God to Father and from Father to our Father. And as you pray, I want your neighbors to come into view of this living and loving god and then at later this month and in the month of june as we specifically go out into the neighborhoods and this is going to be an invitation for all the teens this is going to be an invitation for the families to take their stroller and go down a street clappers we've got a we got a task for you to do to pray and go this is an invitation for everyone who can make it out into the neighborhood maybe that'll just be sitting in the car for some of you and that's okay too and we're going to start by doing this and praying for every house in rock hill And I've presented this to several people already, and they're they're always saying, well, I don't live in Rock Hill. You know, do I really care about the people in Rock Hill? No, they're not trying to say that. I don't think quite that way. They're simply saying, I want to start local, and I get that. And I don't mind if you pray for your neighbors. That will be okay, too. But in terms of this, the way we're going to organize this and program it, we're, we're going to, we want to define it. And we're going to watch it grow. And we're going to pray street by street, House by house, street by street, in Rock Hill, a very definable community. In fact, part of this building is in Rock Hill. Okay, and uh, we're going to ask in that prayer to pray for the. We're going to pray for the people behind the door, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move in the way the Holy Spirit will move. I said pray and go a little earlier, and Brett noticed that, and he thought we were going to have a delivery service. He thought that's what pray and go was, a little bit like DoorDash. No, that's not what is. Drive-through church. No, that's not what pray and go is. It's going out into the neighborhoods and praying over those doors to shepherd our community, to invite them to Jesus, to have them share in this prayer our Father in heaven. And when we pray for, we'll put a little door hanger on the door of each house, just indicating to those people that we prayed for them. And you can imagine all kinds of responses to that. Some will take their little door hanger and throw it in the trash, okay? Others might look at it, and you know what? Others might say, I need the prayers. I need somebody to pray for me. We're already finding that with our website. And so if they respond, that'll open a door of relationship with those. And as that grows street by street by street by street, we'll see what God does with that. But in any event, we'll be faithful to his calling to pray and to go. This week, the invitation is that as you pray our Father in heaven, will you pray both for our community, as you pray for your own family. And uh, with all of this, come on up, praise team. I want to invite you, if you've not responded to this message, if you don't have access to God as Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, haven't come to him by faith and by baptism. You see, that's our window. That's our doorway to be able to call God Father. Then I want to invite you to respond even today. Let's sing.